Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsomerset.com. Revelation chapter 8. This is one of those passages I had to wrestle with a little bit. At first, I was going to uh, try to tackle the whole chapter. And then after reading it a few times, I said, whoa, Nelly. <laughs> and so we're going to look at the seventh uh, seal that is opened by Jesus Christ on the scroll. It is found in Revelation 8. We're going to look at the first six verses. That's where we will be. As you're turning there, uh, as I was studying this passage, I remembered a um, I remembered a song that I heard a long time ago, and it was based on a scripture. I looked up the scripture. It's Habakkuk, uh, which I preached a sermon series, I guess, earlier this year, maybe, or within the past year or so. I preached a sermon series on Habakkuk. Um, very profitable. Uh, he was a prophet that saw... Uh, that God spoke to and said, I'm going to uh, judge my people. And he was like, well, what about all them? You know, and, and he was wondering, you know, how to make sense of everything. And finally in Habakkuk 2.20, the prophet declares, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let the whole earth be silent in his presence. Okay, so there's this issue of the Lord shows up. There he is. And everybody be silent. And that's going to be the backdrop of what we look at tonight in Revelation 8. A uh, really good story that I had found uh, going back to the Civil War days. In 1861, during the United States Civil War, uh, author and lecturer Julia uh, Ward Howe visited Washington, D.C. And one day, she went outside the city and she saw a, number, a large number of soldiers that were marching. And uh, the next morning she woke up with words for a song in her mind. Even though she was aware of the ugliness of war, uh, her faith led her to write these words, and maybe you've heard them. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Great song, right? And uh, she wrote that in spite of what she was seeing. She, her faith directed her to think that God is marching on through the the uh, time of history toward the day when he will right all wrongs. And I know that as, as children of God, as people of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that's the way we, we have to look at things. Is there is an end to all of this. And one of these days when we get to that end, uh, God will make everything right. The prophet Habakkuk came to the same conclusion in his day. In chapter 1 of his book, he was troubled to learn that God was going to punish his people by letting the Babylonians overtake them. In chapter 2, God assured Habakkuk that in spite of all that, he was marching on toward the day when, according to Habakkuk 2.14, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. And if we believe God is marching on, then we can look forward to that day when all will stand before him in silence. And that's what I want us to look at. Before we read the scriptures there in Revelation 8, I have a quote to sort of hopefully transition us from the previous six seals to the seventh seal. Uh, it's kind of a long quote, but Dennis Johnson said, The sixth seal 
uh, which we did um, earlier in the end of chapter 6, and it goes into chapter 7 of Revelation. The sixth seal showed the dismantling of the present earth and heaven through a great earthquake that will shake and shatter earth and sky. We might therefore expect that the seventh seal would disclose the new creation that is to come. But instead, when the Lamb breaks the seventh seal, nothing seems to happen. The Bible says there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. But silence in heaven, even for a short duration, is a surprising and noteworthy development in view of the glimpses God's heavenly court that we've received so far. So here's the rest of his quote. Think about this. So far, we have went through seven chapters in Revelation. And here's what he's trying to say that we've learned so far. So far, in, in, when we've glimpsed God's heavenly court, we've noticed that there are four living creatures that do not cease to say, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And then the 24 elders that constantly confess that God's worthy to receive glory and honor and power. And then when the Lamb receives the scroll, okay, uh, then there are new songs of praise that break out in expanding circles of worship in Revelation 5. And then in Revelation 6, verse 10, you have the martyrs that have died for the, their faith in Christ and the word of their testimony. They are crying out uh, day and night that God might avenge their death. And all of that noise is going on around the throne, okay? And then... Silence, okay? I want you to catch that. And silence is creation's expectant response to the Lord's arrival and judgment. So let's look at Revelation 8, beginning in verse 1. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Then I saw the seven angels who stand in the presence of God. Seven trumpets were given to them. Another angel with a golden incense burner came and stood at the altar. He was given a large amount of incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar in front of the throne. The smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints went up in, in the presence of God from the angel's hand. The angel took the incense burner, filled it with fire from the altar, and hurled it to the earth. There were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. And the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. That's as far as we're going to get tonight, but it's good. So what's going on here? Uh, there is anticipation that, you know, Christ is the only one worthy. He has approached the throne of God. He has took the scroll that is sealed with seven seals. He's opened each one of them, and now he's opening the last of the seven seals. Okay? And when he opens the seventh one, there's silence in heaven for about half an hour. Now, as I was looking that up, it's interesting to read all these commentaries. It's sometimes a frustrating uh, thing to do because you... Um, you can read 100 and get 150 opinions. <laughs> but uh, this guy says, About half an hour of silence is a symbol for worshipful reverence, answered prayer, 
and the judgment that immediately precedes the creation of the new heaven and the new earth. And so that's the, uh, the short version. But uh, clearly, clearly there's anticipation here as everything goes silence. Okay? Uh, Zephaniah. Um, Zephaniah in uh, the Old Testament, a very prophetic book, uh, in chapter 1, verse 7 says, Be silent in the presence of the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is near. And uh, that is true. Um, it's a picture of judgment. Now that the judge has showed up, it's the equivalent of everybody all rise in the courtroom and be quiet. I'll never forget the first time I went to a courtroom, uh, Herman. I was working in mental health and I had to go on behalf of a client. I'd never been in a courtroom before, uh, empty or filled. I didn't know what I was doing. I just didn't want to make a mistake. <laughs> but what took my breath away was when the judge walked in the room and they hit that gavel and say, all rise. And then when he sits down, this court's in session. There's no doubt who's in charge, right? There's absolutely no doubt who's in charge. And here, the seventh seal has been broken. And I believe it implies that God has showed up and everybody is silent. In Zechariah, another Old Testament prophet book, in chapter 2, verse 13, it says, Let all people be silent before the Lord, for from His holy, holy dwelling He has roused Himself. So I really do believe that this um, silence represents the fact that God has showed up. Okay? All these things have happened. The, the world is coming to an end. There's judgment there and, and uh, the sixth seal because a lot of things are going on. And then there's silence for about half an hour. Um, no wonder the Bible talks about how, if you read Romans, that uh, when we uh, stand before God, that the, the law will shut our mouths because no one will be able to justify themselves, okay? No wonder the Bible paints this picture that there'll be a day when every knee uh, will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Uh, we live in a day in a very contentious age now where there's always disputes and, and arguments and division and strife. But uh, when God sets up His kingdom someday, let me tell you, um, when the judge enters the room, silence, okay? When the son takes the throne and the kingdom belongs to him forever and ever, uh, there'll be no disputing that whatsoever. So there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. The second thing we anticipate when we look at what happens at the seventh seal is the prayers of the saints are answered. And I think that's why I really wanted to focus tonight on just this seventh seal and not rush into the trumpets because here is really the big takeaway for you and I. Prayer works. Prayer matters. Prayer is powerful, okay? Look, look at what it says again there in uh, chapter 8. In verse 3, this angel, not, not one of the seven angels, a separate angel, another angel with a golden incense burner comes and stands at the altar and he gets this incense together with the prayers of all the saints. And then the smoke of the incense along with the prayers of the saints. That's the second time prayers of the saints is mentioned. Goes up into the presence of God in the angel's hands. And so uh, 
all of a sudden you see how powerful it is. Dean Davis said, when Christ breaks the seal, seven angels stand forth and they receive trumpets. But as verses 3 and 4 reveal, they will blow the trumpets only in response to the spirit-filled prayers of the saints. Saints who are crying out to God for protection amidst persecution. Okay, um, William Hendrickson says, God has heard the prayers of the saints and the judgments upon earth are his answer to them. Yeah, if you go back there in Revelation chapter 6, uh, verse 10, uh, under the fifth seal, there is uh, an, uh, under the altar there's souls of those who have been slaughtered because of the word of God and the testimony they gave. And in Revelation 6.10, they cried out with a loud voice, Lord, the one who is holy and true, how long until you judge those who live on the earth and avenge our blood? Notice they were under the altar. And then when you get here to the seventh seal, uh, he goes and he stands at the altar. And he combines incense with the prayers of the saints. And as Herschel Hobbes says, the prayers of the saints on earth would prevail. And this is evident by verse 5 when you see uh, the, uh, the, the works that follow, the peals of thunder, the rumblings, the flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. You're talking about prayer with a punch. That's powerful prayer. It reminds me of the first really... Um, prayer meeting, well, not the first, but one of the first prayer meetings that the early church had. I know they gathered in the upper room and prayed before Pentecost, and then Pentecost came, and, you know, the church was born, 3,000 people saved in one day, but not long after that, in Acts chapter 4, maybe, when they were told not to speak in the name of Jesus, and they all gathered, and they prayed, and what did they pray? They prayed for more boldness, right, to speak the name of Christ, and what happened? The ground shook, right? An earthquake at a prayer meeting. Now, that's pretty cool. Uh, you know, it would be the opposite today, wouldn't it? Today, it would take a, an earthquake to, to have a prayer meeting, and their prayer meeting had an earthquake. Think about the difference there. But uh, the prayers of the saints on earth would prevail, and it's evident in the thunder and the lightning and the, and the earthquake and all the things that are mentioned there in verse 5. So it's pretty powerful when you think about it. Uh, so anticipating the seventh seal, there's three things. One is the silence in heaven for about half an hour. Two is the prayer of the saints are answered. And then number three, the seven angels with seven trumpets are prepared to blow them. Okay, they haven't yet. They're waiting, but they're, they're on standby. They're ready. Um, one commentator says, in a word, the two scenes referring to the seven seals that we've covered and the seven trumpets that we'll look at, you know, in the next few weeks, they're parallel. The breaking open of the seals shows what will happen throughout history up until the return of Christ with, with, with particular reference to what the church will have to suffer because there in the fifth seal are the martyrs under the altar that have been slaughtered because of the word and the testimony they've given. And then by the end of the seventh seal, their prayers to God are being answered. Um, the trumpets, starting again from the same standpoint, declare what will happen throughout history up until uh, the return of Christ, and they announce warnings to the unbelieving world. And you'll see that when we get into it. 
says, uh, note in passing that uh, Jesus' discourse in Matthew 24 uh, confirms this. After his description of the second coming, there is a long section of warnings to those living in the age before he arrives. And so um, I like what Dennis Johnson says. He says the purposes of the trumpet cycles are to sound alarms, warning the complacent, calling them to repentance, and to summon the church to holy spiritual warfare. Uh, there's a verse in Joel that stirred my imagination. I read it the other day. In Joel chapter 2, verse 1, Blow the horn in Zion. Sound the alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the residents of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. In fact, it is near. Notice you blow a horn. It sounds the alarm. And you've got seven trumpets coming. It should get people's attention. Um, Beal says uh, God will demonstrate himself to be just and righteous at the conclusion of history. Saints in heaven and especially on earth can be comforted with that fact. Uh, that's probably my favorite quote tonight. God himself will demonstrate to be just and righteous at the end of history. And we can be comforted with that fact. Uh, that is true. So that is the seventh seal but I don't want to leave you hanging, so I'm going to give you three things to think about tonight. We need to remember, especially in this crazy world that we're living in and these crazy times that we're living in right now, we need to remember, number one, that God will have the last word, okay? God will have the last word. Oh, boy. You know, I know that stirs our flesh sometimes, don't it? Did you ever argue with a sibling growing up? Maybe you argue with a friend now or, or whoever. And you, maybe you're that person that just has to have the, the, the last word, you know, before the argument's over. Well, let me just say that when you go through the experience that we're going through right now and you see truth being turned upside down and trampled on the streets, it makes you, it makes you want to scream sometimes. But please understand that God will have the last word. And... I think the silence of God reminds us of that because one day, someday, it's going to be payday. And when people stand before God, guess what? Silence. That's what. And so God will have the last word. The second thing I think we need to remember is that God answers our prayers, and He does. Um, I think sometimes we need to be reminded of that. Um, you know, the, the power of the church really is the prayer, the prayers of the people. It really is. I know there was a story uh, about Spurgeon in his day and time and his ministry in London. You know, he had the uh, church house was full and some people would come to see him and they were impressed at the facility and they were impressed at at the sanctuary was full and packed and said, oh, here, come here, I want to show you. And he took them to the basement where there were several people praying. He says, "There, that's where the power is. And that's so true. And so we need to be reminded that God answers our prayers. And isn't it awesome that God uses this scene in the seventh seal to connect the dots between the angel that, that hurls uh, this incense and fire 
from the altar to earth where there's peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. But it's all connected to the prayers of His saints. And think about it. He's even given us clues on how to pray. He's, he's told us and commanded us to pray that God's will be done what? On earth as it is in heaven. And um, uh, I know that's certainly uh, a prayer of mine right now, that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's a third takeaway that we need to be remembered of, uh, reminded of, and that is that God's warnings are a call to repentance. Um, I really do believe that. You're going to see the goodness of God here in Revelation. Um, moving forward, I guess I'm giving you a sneak peek of what's coming as we read. Uh, moving forward, the, a lot of the, the central part of the book, the middle part of the book, is going to be about the seven trumpets, and then there's going to be seven more things, seven bowls. And, and one thing I want you to keep in mind, the differences between these two sevens, the seven trumpets and the seven bowls, is the seven trumpets are warnings to the world. And even though judgment begins to happen, it's partial. Okay? It's partial. And then when you get to the bowls, it's complete. Like after that seventh bowl, it's over, it's done. Stick a four in it, in it it's done, it's over with. And what you're going to see um, as we go through these seven trumpets, there will be, there'll be little uh, pieces of, of, of Scripture there in, in that scene where it'll say they still refuse to repent. And uh, that ought to stir our hearts because I know... You know, when you pray for lost uh, uh, people that you care about, friends, neighbors, uh, associates, what have you, um, when you pray for our country, and sometimes you think, what is it going to take to get their attention? What is it going to take for them to get to rock bottom and look up and cry out to God? And yet you're going to see in Revelation that when the trumpets are blown and the judgments begin to be released, even though it begins to affect things in the world, and at a certain point it even affects them personally, their bodies, it says they still refuse to repent. And, uh, but I think God is good. I think God is merciful that even in uh, judgment, He's holding out, you know, mercy because he's not just coming unannounced full throttle and what happened we don't know he's he's giving us warnings he's giving us warnings even 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 if you go back to the old testament the best revival in history was what Nineveh and uh, God sent his prophet he gave them a warning and guess what they did they humbled themselves and God relented he 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 put off judgment because they took heed to the warning and they repented. Well, we need to remember as we think about the seventh seal and now the scroll can be opened to see all that's going to happen. God will have the last word and he does answer our prayers and his warnings are a call to repentance. My prayer tonight and my challenge to all of you is this question. Are you looking at reality from God's perspective? Okay? Are you looking at reality from God's perspective? If we watch the news all day, every day, I don't know about you, it gets quite discouraging. Okay? 
because so many times I think uh, as far as uh, ratings, bad news gets more attention than good news. Um, matter of fact, I know they did a study on social media. Lies spread faster than truth, unfortunately. But when we look at reality today from God's perspective, just think there will be a day, there will be a moment when everybody will stand before God and they will be silent. And then all those prayers that God's people have prayed, they're going to come to fruition, especially if they're praying what God wants us to pray. God, we pray for your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I encourage you tonight to think about these things because one day, someday, he's coming back. And it's my prayer that we'll all be ready. Well, let's pray. Father, we come before you tonight. We thank you for your word. Lord, as we look forward in faith, we anticipate that day when you come back again. Oh, what a day it will be. Lord, I pray that it will just, uh, um, that we will be prepared for that day and that moment. Lord, that when we stand before you in silence, Lord, We'll be anticipating the promises that we've been waiting for you to fulfill. And Father, I pray that you would uh, show yourself merciful to those right now that are willing to repent and turn from their sin. And Lord, we pray that uh, there'll be folks that come to know you before it's everlasting too late. Lord, as we look forward to Celebrating Christmas soon, Lord, we pray that uh, we'll remember that you are the hope of the world. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact the pastor, please visit phbcsummerset.com.